Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons, advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, research, and outreach. Hello, and welcome to AUKUS Amplified. My name is Michael Blankstein, and I will be your host for this episode. I'm an orthoplasty and trauma surgeon at the University of Vermont and an associate professor. Today, I have uh, two special guests. Uh, it took us a while to get together because we're talking from different parts of the world. Hey, Ian, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, great to be here. Thanks very much for the invite. My name's Ian Murray. I'm an orthopedic surgeon based in Edinburgh in Scotland. Uh, my main areas of interest are in joint preserving surgery. So I try to keep people away from joint replacement surgeons wherever possible and sports medicine. I also have a position at the Edinburgh University where my research is also focused in this area. Welcome. And David from the other side of the world. Hey, I'm Dave Decky. I'm a fifth year resident at Mayo Clinic in Arizona, and I'll be pursuing an arthroplasty fellowship at Duke University next year. And I am also on the AUKUS Patient Education Committee with Dr. Blankstein. So happy to be here. Amazing. So to our listeners, not only are we giving you guys a perspective that's global here, we're also giving you a perspective not only from the joint replacement surgeons, but also from the sports surgeons. So the sports orthopedic surgeons usually take care of patients who have earlier arthritis before they actually need the knee replacements. So today we're going to talk about one of the hottest topics in orthopedics, which is injections. We all love injections because in theory, if they work, the idea of somehow being able to prevent or postpone knee replacement surgery is exciting. Also on top of it, it's easy. You come to the clinic and it literally takes a few minutes. Say It's not a difficult or too painful procedure. And... In theory, if you can get immediate pain relief, then it's very attractive. There's a lot of controversy field to our listeners. Again, a lot of controversies here. And when we're going to talk about injections, we're essentially talking about there's more. But we're going to talk about the four classic ones that people talk about. Number one, the commonest one, the one we have the most experience with is cortisone injections. We're going to talk about that. Then we'll talk about what people call the lubricant injections or the hyaluronic acid. So there are various names for these type of injections. Next one is something called platelet-rich plasma, also known as PRP, and also has gotten a lot of popularity in the world of early knee arthritis. And last one we're going to talk about is stem cells, which is the one that's by far the most complicated ones to understand because there's a lot of variability there. And then in the end, we're going to give you some recommendations that are given by our American Academy of Hip and Knee Surgeons. So um, let's get started. So cortisone injections, David, what does it mean, cortisone injections? Do you mind uh, giving us a little bit of a background here? Yeah, so cortisone is a type of steroid that we frequently use for its anti-inflammatory mechanism. And so when injected into the knee, this is typically mixed with a local anesthetic. And so that is a, a numbing medication that's mixed with the steroid. And so typically how this works is when you get a cortisone injection into your knee, the immediate pain relief you may feel is typically from that local anesthetic. And over the next few days to weeks, that 
corticosteroid, that steroid effect is going to decrease the inflammation in your knee over that longer period of time. And so that immediate pain relief you get may decrease. And then the steroid should decrease the inflammation in your knee over the next few weeks. Um, and the effect can be variable. Some people can state that it gives them weeks to months. Some people it'll give them relief for up to a year, but we don't really know how or who is going to benefit for what duration from an intra-articular knee injection with cortisone. Thank you. And that's exactly what I tell the patients. I say, sometimes it's a little bit of trial and error, depending on what stage of inflammation your knee is actually at, what, how much pain you're experiencing. So for example, my patients, I give the same injection, same surgeon, same patient. Let's say I give it every few months. Once in a while, it works amazing for a long period. And sometimes it only works for a few weeks. I want to say something very important to our patients as well. When we ask you if the injection helped, we have to be very clear as to what that means. So if the injection helped for a few weeks, we, the surgeons, interpret it as, yes, it helped. That means there was some effect. It didn't last for too long, but it was actually helpful. But if you said the injection didn't help at all, not even for an hour, not even for a day, that means there's a chance we could have the wrong diagnosis because sometimes people have knee pain the pain can be stemming from the back or from the hip. So when we ask you when, for how long it helped or if it helped, you have to make sure that you're very clear on the timing. And we might consider one month of help actually something valuable. That it, And sometimes we also use these injections not only as the therapeutic, but also as a diagnostic tool. Because if you get the injection, it helped even for a few days, that means that at least we have the correct diagnosis as to the major source of the pain. So what happens on the other side of the pond? Do you guys use cortisone injections, Ian? Yes. Well, I think much like you guys over in the States, um, steroids injections are something that uh, surgeons and sports doctors are very comfortable with it because we've been using it for many, many years. There's a huge amount of data supporting its effect, certainly in the shorter term, up to three months. And the adverse effects or the side effects, the things that can go wrong, are very rare. So it is something that we use more and more. And my uh, use of this option is for those patients where, as you mentioned, whether using it as part of a diagnostic tool to confirm that the, the patients have a condition arising from the knee, but specifically in those patients with the more advanced arthritis. So we're getting into that territory where we know that the patients are having a lot of intrusive symptoms and maybe they're considering joint replacement, they might feel that they're not ready yet for it. And that's when I would use a steroid injection in those patients to get them over a, a bad exacerbation of symptoms or to try and prolong or delay surgery. Exactly. And the examples that I use are you have a big trip coming up, you don't want to be in pain, it may work, you have a wedding or you have a really bad flare-up recently, or you're just too sick for surgery. Some people get injections routinely because they cannot have surgery or you're getting optimized for surgery and you need something to help you in the meanwhile. Exactly. Another thing that I tell my patients is that this is usually how it plays out again. It's going to feel very good the day of the injection because we're numbing the joint, but then the numbing medication goes away. So then suddenly you may actually feel a little spike in pain 
but then the cortisol should kick in over a few days and then it starts feeling better and better. I think you brought up a good point though, that we sort of talked around, but haven't actually mentioned, which is important to mention is that they actually don't reverse the course or the progression of your disease. So they don't prevent or improve your arthritis in your knee. They're treating the symptom, the pain, the inflammation. And so I think that's important that we mention as well that these are helping treat the pain. And so you can get back to doing the things you want to do, but aren't going to improve your arthritis or reverse the arthritis in your knee. Exactly. So there's cartilage wear. This is not going to fix the problem. We're just truly helping the symptoms. Some people don't like the idea because that's when people say, oh, it's a Band-Aid solution. It's, you know, really, you're right. We're not actually helping anything but the symptoms. Yeah. Yes. And I would jump in and say that actually, I think that important statement holds true with all of the treatments we're going to discuss in this meeting. So unfortunately, the bad news, if you like, for those patients who are hoping for that, um, magic injection is that we don't have that yet but all of these solutions we're talking about are aiming at improve um, improving your symptoms exactly so we still have not had we don't have a good way to truly regrow your cartilage regenerate it in the way that's meaningful i.e reverse back time we don't have that just one more thing people always worry about adverse effects or side effects or complications so what are the things that people should be watching out for or be worried about, Ian? Yes, well, the big thing really with any injection is the very rare but potentially serious risk of having an, an infection. And we might consider that particularly with steroid because we know that steroid has some what we would call immune modulating effects, which means it can reduce inflammation and, and therefore it can potentially be at that risk of infection. It is extremely rare, but it's something that we would really want our patients to be vigilant for. Um, signs of that would be um, redness, feeling unwell, the knee swelling, and um, a significant deterioration in the pain over the, the days following the injection. But fortunately, that's extremely rare. There are also some other um, adverse or side effects that people can have with steroids. And some people can have some pigmentation in the skin. And there's also something called steroid flare, which can be very confusing for patients because it can mimic infection. Again, it's very rare, but for some reason, some patients have a response to steroid where they have a lot of pain following the injection in the days following. And if that is the scenario, we'd always encourage you to contact your doctor to exclude that it might be infection. But fortunately, this steroid flare tends to settle down with itself and not have any longer term effects. Thank you. What about when people say, oh, I heard that steroids are not good for your cartilage. What are your thoughts about that? Well, that's a very interesting question. And it's something that is hotly debated by orthopedic surgeons and doctors. And there have been some studies that have suggested that in the longer term, there's a risk that a steroid injection may in fact accelerate your arthritis. Now that has not been shown in all studies, but the concern has been raised by some. And that's why I think generally we would try to use the steroid only when you need it. And particularly in those patients with more advanced arthritis, where that the arthritis is already established, if you like. I, I don't know how your approach to that, David. 
Yeah, I think that is definitely holds true. And that the other thing that is important to recognize here is that with steroids, and I think you could say any of these injections, that if you get an injection, you also need to wait at least three months, at least evidence shows, because the risk of an infection after surgery increases for at least three months. And so that is sort of a longer term side effect you could consider would be that if you get an injection, you can't have your knee replaced for at least three months for the increased risk of infection. And not to say you can't, but that there is that increased risk of having an infection in your total knee replacement within three months. And yes, but I would say definitely steroids, you want to minimize the use of these as much as possible and only use them when you truly, truly need them. And that I think it depends on who you ask in terms of how often you're able to get an injection, but definitely trying to space them out as much as possible. Dr. Blankstein, how long do you recommend patients wait at a minimum between injections if they're trying to stay on that path to prevent needing surgery or push it off? I should say. Yeah, excellent question. So again, a lot of controversy. We actually did a study where we interviewed most of the hip and knee surgeons in this country who do knee replacements about their practices. And there's definitely a lot of variability, a lot of controversy. And that's why we decided to do a podcast on that too, for patients to realize that we don't have great science behind all of this. But we all know that you should use it as a lifeline. The question, how frequently? I usually say maximum three or four times a year, depending. One of the biggest controversies is, can you do it indefinitely? Can you do that as the final treatment option? And the answer is, we don't know. I'm actually trying to figure that out for our community to see whether we can continue to have injections forever. But I think I'm just going to sum it up. So the message is very clear. Cortisone injection does not solve the problem. It does help with the pain and inflammation. We don't think that it causes significant damage to the joint. It's pretty low risk. The risk of infection is extremely low. Just want to watch out for that. Recognize that uh, it should be used with caution in the sense that you don't just want to get injections for no reason. But it's definitely something that we're all very comfortable giving. So we're going to get into the more controversial injections. But this is one that most orthopedic surgeons have done for years and years and years. And we've done it in many, many joints. And we know that usually it really does help. Okay. Any final thoughts there? No. Uh, awesome. Well, perfect. And the spacing between injection and surgery, that's actually the one thing that came out in our study that everyone wants to take that three or four months break between the injection and knee replacement because we want to reduce the risk of infection at any cost. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to the next one, which is hyaluronic acid or again, the lubricant injections. What other names have you heard for those injections, uh, David? Rooster Crow, Gel Shot. Yeah, any other names, Ian? Yeah, just Visco Supplementation. Exactly. So you guys, just so you know, that people refer to the same injections in many different ways, but it's the, the actual composition is hyaluronic acid, and there are multiple companies that make that, and there are multiple ways you can get those delivered. You can get them delivered... It's one injection, is the three injections that are spaced out, et cetera, depending on the 
manufacturer. So David, give us some basic science here, and then uh, we'll get on to Ian, and he's going to give us some of the evidence in his practice perspective. Definitely. So hyaluronic acid is another injectable into the knee, and it's a naturally occurring substance within your body that is actually found within the synovial fluid, the joint fluid within your knee. So it helps lubricate your joint. And so the thought is that we inject this additional joint lubricant into your knee to help act as a shock absorber to decrease the load because you have basically with arthritis decreased space within your joint and the the lack of cartilage can lead to that abnormal wear and so basically by injecting this shock absorber into your knee it helps re-establish that space at least that's the theory and provide more lubrication for the joint so that it can move more smoothly and hopefully decrease the pain you're experiencing with the arthritis. Thank you. Ian? I think something that's really important about all of these injectables is the names and the terminology that's given. And and, and some of that is just generally as new treatments come along, they're given new names. But sometimes I think it's given to hook patients into names of treatments that are actually very similar. So in hyaluronic acid, if the duration that the hyaluronic acid, this substance actually stays in the knee joint, has generally been very low, only 14 hours to start with. So some of the newer treatments have evolved and the new names have evolved by what's called cross-linking, making the molecules longer to try and allow them to stay in the knee joint for longer and have more effect, or by stabilizing them, by adding molecules to them to also to try and have them stay in the knee for longer. So many of the names that you might hear, for example, low molecular weight or high molecular weight, that's what that's all about. It's about different products that are trying to stay in the knee longer. But I think the important message I would say is that much of the data that's come out so far shows that there's very little differences in terms of the clinical effect between all of these products. So I don't feel that there's one that's well, particularly better than others. And I think that if it's something that works for you, then it can be considered as one. We're in a very controversial area, but that would be my take on things. Got it. Some people combine hyaluronic acid and cortisone or like give one and then cortisone the following week. Do you guys have any experience with that? I tend to try and keep things simple. I want to know what it is that's caused the benefit. So I would prefer to give them as individual therapies. There have been some studies that have shown combined therapies and unfortunately they've not been as successful as I think people had hoped. So I tend to do one And if that doesn't work or doesn't work for that individual, try a different drug. But I tend not to mix them together. Got it. And we talked earlier about giving cortisone injections to people who are pretty much what we call end-stage osteoarthritis, like their joints are really worn out, whereas some people would like to use the lubricants in people who have early arthritis. Is that your perspective? Well, I think that is where it has most been used in the earlier stages of arthritis. But I have to say that I think that hyaluronic acid is an area where there is a lot of evidence. There's many, many trials have been done. But unfortunately, the results of hyaluronic acid have not been as good 
when we consider the trials as a big group than some of the other injections. For example, as the guidelines, our professional guidelines in the US that we're going to mention earlier, had suggested that you would need to treat 17 patients with hyaluronic acid for one patient to have a meaningful benefit from it. And overall, although the studies have suggested there might be a small benefit in having an injection of hyaluronic acid over a gummy injection, the injection is not meaningful, as in it wouldn't make a tangible difference to those patients. So I have to say that hyaluronic acid is something that I don't tend to use routinely, although I think that for individuals where it has worked before or in certain circumstances, it can be used, but it's not something that I would use routinely. Exactly, and I do the same. I pretty much follow the guidelines And it's tricky. And again, to the listeners, I just have to explain something. It's really important. That's a controversy that we sometimes face in medicine, which is, hey, if something worked for you, or if you treat a lot of patients with a certain injection and you see good outcomes, and then come these guidelines, it's very hard to change your practice because you're saying, sorry, in my hands, with my patients, my selection, things seem to be working. So... Nobody is saying that if it works for you, it's a bad idea to do it. But again, a lot of people receive those injections that don't get the effect that we were hoping for them to have. What's the perspective out West? You know, I think everything you guys have said holds true out West as well. And the first two options that we've talked about, both cortisone and hyaluronic acid, I think it's important to to recognize that these are typically covered by insurance in the United States. And so whether you have Medicare or private insurance, these are paid for. And so both typically aren't going to be any real out-of-pocket expense for a patient. And so considering using hyaluronic acid earlier, maybe say you just started having knee pain and your arthritis isn't that bad. I think considering hyaluronic acid as a potential option to help decrease your discomfort or your pain is worth trying. Even if you're one of the 17 people that don't experience any benefit, hopefully your pain isn't such that it's debilitating at that point. And then potentially that buys you time until you may ultimately need cortisone injections. But if you're one of the responders that does well, then there's no adverse or risk to it other than, like we discussed earlier, the risk of potentially getting an infection in your knee. But overall, it's it's a pretty low risk injection, and it's not going to potentially worsen your arthritis like steroid can. And so I think it's a pretty safe option to try. And if you don't get any benefit, it's not the end of the world. And so I think using HA early on in the course of your disease, we'll call arthritis, I think makes sense. And it's what we do. I, I think we present patients with the options and say, hey, you know, there's hyaluronic acid and cortisone. And if you're more earlier on, potentially trying hyaluronic acid. And then if that doesn't work, maybe then we you know, step it up and, and try cortisone down the road. Okay. I think what some of my patients find helpful is understanding that although we talk about arthritis currently as one condition, 
we know that there are lots of different ways that patients present with arthritis. And so I think the thinking will be that in 10 or 20 years time, arthritis as one condition might actually be made up of seven or eight different subtypes of the condition. We know that some people get arthritis after they've had trauma to the joint, whereas some people have arthritis with a lot of swelling, some people have arthritis with little swelling. And I suspect that these will be different types of arthritis as we learn more. And so this word that David and Michael have used as being a responder, it may be that we find that one injection works for one arthritis type or one patient type. And it's just finding at this moment, because we don't know the answers, unfortunately, it may be a little bit of trial and error and finding out which injection works for any individual. So when we talk about a lot of this data about saying things don't work or do work, all of these arthritis types are often being pulled together. And that's one of the major challenges that we're having. Excellent point. Brilliant theme. I want to say one more thing again, just to the patients. We seem to be talking about the fact that most of the injections are pretty low risk, meaning nothing bad is going to happen unless we keep on saying the same thing, unless you get an infection. If you do get an injection, every time you get an injection or any procedure, there's a risk of introducing a pathogen where you can get an infection. If you are worried about an infection after an injection, you have to call your orthopedic surgeon immediately because if you did introduce an infection, then the treatment is actually washing out the joint, which means an operation. So you need to make sure that if you have any concerns, do contact the person who injected you immediately. And I tell patients that all the time. So if you have fevers, chills, night sweats, increasing redness, warmth, or swelling of the joint, please contact us. Just one last thing before we move on to the next one is some people do talk about significant inflammatory reaction, which is triggered by the hyaluronic acid. Ian, any thoughts about that? Yes, that's a good point. And, and a number of big studies that have been published in some of the medical journals have actually raised this issue of very rare but serious effects with hyaluronic acid. And these studies have suggested that they are higher in patients receiving hyaluronic acid than receiving dummy injections or steroid injections. And in fact, some of these studies have suggested that maybe that balance where we talked about injections that have no risk but are worth trying, for hyaluronic acid, perhaps that balance is slightly tipped by the very rare serious reactions that can happen with hyaluronic acid. And I think that is why we see in our professional guidelines, both in the US and the UK, that actually generally the professional guidelines say steroid, we support its use for patients with symptoms, whereas with hyaluronic acid, certainly in the UK, it's now discouraged, partly because it's not covered as well, I think, by insurance and it costs patients. But that's also reflected in the US. So I think, again, that's referring to those very rare, serious events that defenders of hyaluronic acid would say, well, they're not necessarily specifically related to the hyaluronic acid, but the larger studies would suggest that they do occur. So that has tipped my balance slightly. And that's why I use hyaluronic acid less and uh, now. Yeah, got it. Again, another analogy, how some patients benefit from different treatment options is like Tylenol and Advil, right? Like we know for a fact that Tylenol and Advil work for pain. Fact, every human being has tried it for a headache and, and you know that that's probably going to work. But then you do have patients who say, hey, you know what? When I take 
Tylenol, I get much more relieved than I do when I take Aleve or Advil or Meloxicum and, and vice versa. And some people like the combination. This, this is sort of like, in my opinion, a little bit analogous. For some people, some medications, for a reason that the Ian mentioned earlier, might work better. Well, there was an excellent discussion on the topic of cortisone and hyaluronic acid injections for the treatment of knee osteoarthritis. Join me for part two of the discussion where we will discuss other options for injections, which include PRP, stem cells, and topics related. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit AUKUS.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, investigate, and perform humanitarian outreach in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.